As creators, technically we are freelancers. We work for ourselves and no one else is responsible for us landing jobs other than, well, us. As freelancers, sometimes it can be difficult to find jobs. If you're a creator and you've been for a bit now, you're probably already fully aware of this. Sometimes are incredibly busy and we have too many opportunities, sometimes even having to deny them. And then other times we can't find a job to save our lives that month. Being a freelance creator is a rocky road, but it's one that you get more and more comfortable with as you learn more about how to navigate this type of career. But as you're learning, you're probably wondering things like, what the heck do I charge? Where is the future of our industry going so that I can make sure I'm going there too? And how do you set yourself apart when applying for different gigs, right? There's just so much competition sometimes. I'm Kristen Busquet, and I've been a full-time creator for over three years, and I've brought in over $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is a podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence and creativity into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Today, we're here with Isabella Lamson, the social partnership lead at Contra. Contra gives you everything you need to launch, build, and grow your independent career as a freelance creator. I'm on the site very frequently. I'm always browsing and applying for new opportunities, so I will say I am personally a big fan. Isabella, she works with like-minded brands and influencers to share Contra with others who can benefit from a resource to find new opportunities like us or new talent for brands and have access to a strong community of other freelancers to connect with. Today, we're diving into everything that you need to know about working for yourself in landing gigs as a freelancer. What type of jobs are being posted about more and more? What should creators do before applying to gigs to better their chances at actually landing it? How can creators stand out when applying for these jobs? We're giving you the scoop on all things navigating the freelance world. This, my biz BFF, is Social Scoop. Before we dive into today's news, I want to tell you guys about a free seminar that we are having on Tuesday, October 25th at 1 p.m. Eastern time in our free Facebook group where we have over 800 other creators who are talking about all of the things that we go through as creators. So on October 25th, we're going to be talking about how you can get consistent brand deals as a creator. You're a creator who's really trying to turn their online influence into this profitable business, right? But you just can't seem to land those brand deals consistently enough for you to depend on that income. I was you a few years ago, but now I'm working with brands every single month and building really strong relationships with them so that they're hiring me time and time again. So I am going to be giving you the scoop on how I have made this happen in 2022 in this free seminar. All you have to do to join is get into our Facebook group, which is linked down below. Get into our Facebook group and then RSVP to the event in the group that will be happening on October 25th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And it will be recorded. So if you can't make it to the exact time, don't worry. You will be able to watch it still. So I hope to see all of you guys in the Facebook group for this free event so that you can turn your online influence into a profitable business. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 50 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen, and as always, I'm so excited that you're here, especially today, because it is officially our 50th episode. This is crazy. I told you guys in my solo episode that I wanted to start a podcast for so long, and I made every, 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 every excuse in the book as to why I couldn't do it or why I needed to push it off until it was perfect. And then one day, I straight up bought a microphone, sat down with literally no plan, and just recorded an episode, released it the next day. Had no idea what I was doing, but that was 50 episodes ago, and I'm so happy to say that I have learned so much, I've improved so much, and this podcast is something that you guys send me messages about all the time, saying that it's just helped you so much and really is a great resource for you. That is the best compliment that you can give me. So thank you guys so much for supporting me through 50 episodes as a celebratory 
thing here. Like, why don't you just go leave us a review? You know, like it's super helpful for us. It will help us get out to even more creators so that we can help really regulate this industry and educate on this industry. Because as you know, it is a shit show, right? Okay. Anyway, so we've got a lot of really great news today. We have an awesome episode. Very, very excited for episode 50. So let's dive right into it. Okay, this was really an interesting experience that I went through this past week, and I wanted to talk to you about it a little bit. And it's going to be something that I have to keep you updated on, okay? So I get an invite on TikTok for what is called TikTok Creator Challenges. Never had heard of it before, never like in the news, never from TikTok, like never, okay? I got this invite. Essentially, It allows creators to, quote, earn money by creating video ads. There's no need to post these ads on your own account. And they claim that the highest current reward of a single video is $15,000. So naturally, I see this and I'm just like, "Uh, yeah, tell me more. This sounds kind of amazing, right? So essentially, I'm going to give you like a rundown of of how I understand that it works. And then I'm going to give you a little bit of my opinion, okay? So you can submit as many video ads as you like for each challenge. Now, a challenge is essentially where a brand is saying, hey, this is what we're looking for in our ad. And the challenge is you actually making the ad and submitting it, okay? Rewards will be calculated based on the ad performance. So you are not getting paid a flat fee for this partnership or you creating this ad you are getting paid based on how the ad performs. So you create this ad, you submit it, they run it with money backed. So they're they're paying for it to get boosted out there. And then however it performs, you get some sort of reward based on that. And this is where I had kind of like a little bit of confusion because I wasn't able to find any information on how much money you actually make per view or per click or like there's not really any information on that. Right now, it looks like there are about 220 brands that are signed up as part of this program. Some examples are Pixar, CapCut. There are a lot of apps on here. Now, here's where things are getting a little bit interesting. I had actually posted on stories about this and a lot of you guys, I would say a majority of you guys agreed with me on this. So when you are creating an ad as part of the challenges here, you are essentially handing over full usage rights to that brand without any specified payment rate. So you're creating a video, giving it to the brand and saying, here you go, you can use this video to boost and you know make paid ads with. And again, you're going into that without any clear understanding of how you are, your payment is going to be structured. So that's where I have a little bit of an issue because I know for me as a creator who has been through the ringer with usage rights and all of this, I would never, ever, ever hand over full usage rights in perpetuity to a brand, especially if I didn't know how much I was getting paid or if I was getting paid. So that to me almost feels like TikTok is preying on creators who do not know this. I am always trying to educate creators on usage rights and the way that you should not be giving away full usage rights, especially again, if you're not getting paid or you're unsure about how much you're going to get paid. So this just feels like a really good way to take advantage of creators who don't understand how usage rights work. So that made me kind of have a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth about this. Some challenges, the only thing I could find about compensation was that some challenges give you what they're called a, calling a newcomer bonus of $20 for your first submission. So you get paid $20 to make this video and give them full usage, right? There are other bonuses such as a $200 bonus if you have at least four submissions that generate $10 or more in rewards, respectively, in a single month. So I guess there are some ways to kind of like earn additional compensation here, but I could not find anywhere how the actual payment structure works. And I will say, guys, the guidelines for these challenges were extremely extensive. I actually posted some screenshots in a TikTok video that I have linked in the show notes. So if you click on the show notes in the description down below, you can see that video and see what this actually looks like. Now, the guidelines for the challenges 
were literally just the same as a brief that you would get from a brand that's paying you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. They were very specific about what needs to be in the video, of course, because they're running these as ads. So there's my spiel, okay? Make your own assumptions about this. Make your own decisions on if this is something you would want to take part in. However, here is the part that threw me for a loop. I had a girl reach out to me who I actually just got in contact with. We just started following each other. And she sent me a message uh, asking if I would kind of like, listen, hear her out. And of course, I'm like, yeah, what? So she told me that she's actually part of this pilot program. And it is something that she's been able to make massive amounts of money with. And so I asked her, like, I need to just understand this a little bit more. Can you get on a call with me and kind of walk me through what the payment structure looks like? Like, what is actually happening here? Because it seems uh, like a little sketchy and I don't love it. So we are actually going to get on a call in the next few days. So hopefully next week, I'm able to kind of give you a little bit more information about what this actually looks like. But as of right now, the information that I have, I just don't love it. It just, it gives me bad vibes. Okay. Anyway. TikTok World 2022, which is a conference, happened last week, and they announced that they're introducing two new tools on the creator marketplace to help you find the best creator for your brand's needs. But there's actually some great things that us as creators need to know as well. So they're going to be using an AI tool, which generates a custom list of up to 200 creators in under 30 seconds. And this is what's going to be shown to brands. Cool that this happens. So as creators, I don't know how we can get into these lists. But from what I understand, it's kind of just AI generated and we don't really have any power over this. However, there is another option. So it'll be called Open Discovery, where brands can now post a quick and easy application with specific criteria and creators can apply to these gigs. So it's almost like an influencer platform kind of situation where a brand posts their gig or their campaign, and you go ahead and apply for it if it makes sense for you. So these are two things that are improvements to the creator marketplace that you guys can keep an eye out for. We have heard a little bit about this in the past, but there is actually a look now at what Instagram's multiple link in bio tests looks like. So as we might know at this point, if you've been listening to Social Scoop, Instagram has been testing different variations of the multiple link in bio for about a year now. We don't have any news on when this will actually come to fruition, but it's confirmed by Instagram at this point that it is on the way. So in the show notes below, you can click on that link and actually go ahead and see what this will look like. I think it's pretty cool. However, I in Canva just made the most beautiful link in bio website ever. And I don't think anyone could pay me enough money to change it because it is fabulous. So Instagram, thank you but I don't know if I'll be taking part, right? This is actually a huge, huge step for TikTok. And I think it's kind of be kind of a game changer. They are actually adding photo mode for still images, okay? Photo mode looks exactly like Instagram, you guys. It allows users to be able to post carousels of still images that users can basically scroll through in the app. So here's what they said. I'm going to give you the exact quote of how they explain this. Photo mode allows you to share carousel posts of still images that automatically display one after the other. You can add music to soundtrack the images, which users can swipe through at their own pace. When I tell you this looks exactly like Instagram, it looks exactly like Instagram. But I think TikTok, what they're doing here is they are listening to every single person who's complaining about Instagram saying they took away photos or they're not giving photos as much recognition. They only want video. Like we want photos. We want photos. We want photos. Everyone has been wanting photos. And since Instagram isn't really doing anything about that, TikTok was like, come home, darling, come over here. We'll give you photos. Like they're just answering all of the requests that we're begging Instagram for. So I think this is really cool. However, obviously TikTok is very much a video platform. So I don't know like if this will catch on like it did on Instagram, but we'll have to just wait and see it. But I think this is TikTok kind of answering our begs that we are freaking begging to Instagram. We are pleading with Instagram, okay? 
they are finally answering that with this still images photo mode. We'll see what happens. A couple small little things that I wanted to mention as well. Instagram is working on the ability to comment with gifts. Guys, you will be able to comment on someone's photo or reel with a GIF. I literally love using these so much. And so this seems like a really great way to like interact with people and comment on things that is just way more fun. Because if we're being honest, gifts are way more fun than text, right? So I kind of love this. I hope that it actually comes to fruition and very soon because I will use this all the time. Also, Instagram is testing the ability to replace the audio in your real video if the sound is no longer available. So, you know, sometimes you're scrolling through and you're like, oh, crap, the sound is no longer available. So your video is just silence. You can actually replace the audio so that it's at a different sound, but at least you'll have some sound on this video. This, I think, is a long time coming. Like, we've really needed this because those sounds very much disappear at the most inconvenient time. So I kind of love that they're doing this. I think it'll be very, very helpful. If you're listening to this, you are just about nine days away from our next live creator Q&A, where we are actually in our membership going to be talking about everything and anything creator industry, navigating this industry, all of the frustrations that come with it. We are going to be talking about that live on Zoom as a community in our private membership. So we do this about once a month. If you join the membership, you'll be able to get in on this. We've also been posting a ton of brand deal collaboration opportunities each week. So this membership, if you haven't heard about it yet, you can check out the link in the description below. It is truly everything that you need as a creator in order to be successful and actually land brand deals, start working with the brands you really love, and monetize your social media platforms. So check out the membership if you haven't already. I really hope to see you guys in this meeting. They are literally the most motivational, inspirational things to be able to talk with other creators who feel the same frustrations that you are going through. So I hope to see you guys all in the membership. Without further ado, let's hear from Isabella Lamson, who is our social partnerships lead at Contra, which is one of the best places to find freelance gigs. You can join Contra below in the link that we have in our description. But without further ado, let's hear from Isabella. All right, guys, I'm so excited to have Isabella from Contra here. She's going to tell you all about what Contra is, but We know as creators, we're always looking for more jobs because it's a constant hustle out there. And Contra is actually a really great tool that can help us with this. So Isabella, thank you so much for being here today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you about this. Of course. So, okay, give us the rundown. What is Contra? What do you do at Contra? Give us us all the tea. Sure. So first of all, Contra is a platform that basically provides everything that independents or freelancers need to successfully work the way that they want commission free. So basically, this means that you never have to get a percentage taken out of your project fee or your rate um, when you're working with a client, which is a really, really awesome thing that a lot of other platforms don't provide. We are built by independents for independents. So basically, a bunch of seasoned freelancers who are working as full-time freelancers, we're noticing things that weren't perfect or that maybe could use improvement and didn't exist, an existing platform or resources that are already out there and came together and put Contra together, which is awesome. Um, And basically also like the main function is that you can go through a project end-to-end on the platform. So everything from reaching out to a client or applying to a job or hiring as a client and having that communication live in the platform to contracts, to invoices, and then up until the end and being paid. So it really gives you the full scope of the project all in one place, which is a really streamlined and organized way to do things. Yeah, I am such a type A person. So any organizational tools, I'm in there. Like, I absolutely love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's such a game changer. It really is. Yeah. So, okay, tell us a little bit more. So for people who have not ever gone on to the, the Contra site, mm-hmm. like, what is what is the, the rundown there? So, like, they can find jobs, look for, or, you know, get hired for jobs. Um, how does like the application process work, I guess? So first thing you would do is build your own profile. So you kind of go on, sign up. 
It's all free to use. And you just build out a profile which has existing projects that you've worked on. You can link past work experience. It allows for visuals. It allows for text explanations. And then you also link some services that you provide. So this is more just your rates and then also any explanation of what those services are. So for someone in social media, it might be if you're a content creator, it could be you know filming content and what platforms you work on. Right. If you are a copywriter, it might be the types of copy that you write, whether it's for social media, for blogs, for news sources, whatever that might look like. So you kind of build out your profile. You have a photo, you link your socials, you have a description a little bit more about who you are. And then you'll start to see the opportunities feed, which allows you to kind of, you know, look at jobs that are hiring on Contra. You can filter by niche. So if you're a designer, you might only want to see design jobs. If you have multiple different skills, you might want to see multiple things. Yeah. So you can look at some jobs that are open and hiring. And then you also have the ability to get in touch with any clients that you're interested in working with. And we also have a community on Slack of freelancers and clients, which is just a really great way to connect with other people. We have almost 10,000 users on there, which is an amazing community. Wild. Um, and everyone, it's wild. And everyone just shares um, different resources that they have or experiences. Or maybe if you're having, I don't know, you're struggling with something in a project and you want to know if anyone else has dealt with this. Um, it's a really good platform just for like learning from other people and getting to share experiences. Yeah. And I know that for a lot of people going into freelance full-time is a little bit intimidating because it's, you feel a little lonely. You don't have a team. Like you're maybe working from home. All of the jobs on Contra are remote. So it does give a place for people to have that community feeling while they're working from home and, and being their own business. Yeah. One thing that I actually just saw maybe yesterday was that you can kind of like customize the whole look of your almost like portfolio page now, mm -hmm. which I think is so cool. It's almost like having your own little website, but you only have to do like the uploading of things once instead of like uploading all your stuff to Contra, uploading it to your portfolio, uploading it onto a different website. Like it can all be in one place. So I love that. Exactly. So we just actually are about to launch this new feature, which right now there's a wait list for, for people who might want to test it out early. Um, mm -hmm. But it's super cool. It's called Portfolios by Contra. And it's exactly what you said. So originally with Contra, you would just create that profile where you have like all of your past projects and your services listed. Right. Now, when you go in, you can, you still same flow, create your profile, but then you can actually turn it into a portfolio website. And all you have to do is tap one button that like turns it on and there you go. And you can share that link with people. You can, yeah, it's super awesome. And so it's a really great way for you not to have to like build your own website or build a portfolio out and have like other platforms where you also host yeah. your work and past projects. It's all again in one place. And we're really just trying to be like super streamlined and really organized. So yeah, it's a, it's a really awesome resource, new feature that's coming up. And we're really, really excited about. Yeah, it's it's very like, aesthetically pleasing too. like, you know what I mean? Like I, some of the websites that you do like portfolio building on are like very outdated. I feel like these mm -hmm. are all very like I was looking at them and I was like, how do I choose? Like everything looks so cool. Yeah, there's <laughs> a bunch of different templates and different themes that you can pick from too. So you can like mix and match with colors oh, and that. designs. And like, it, it's also great because there are so many different types or like niches, I guess, of freelancers and um, independence. So yeah. if you're a designer, maybe you want to showcase more visuals and past work you've done that are like logos or branding. If you're a writer, you might want to focus on more copy and, and, and your writing style. So you can pick your template based on also what kind of content you're going to be uploading, yeah. which is a really, really great way to just to display your work. Yeah, we love that. We love that. So <laughs> what are the different types of like you were saying, designers, writers, like what are the different types of mm -hmm. categories, I guess, there that people can find different jobs for? Yeah, so we have a ton of different categories, everything from like social media and marketing to design, writing, engineering, um, video editing. We see it all, which is a great thing. But I would say our most popular categories are probably in social media, marketing, um, yeah. and then as well with like writing and design. We get tons of opportunities there. That's really great. I love it. So I want to kind of dive into a little bit more about being a creator who is looking for jobs. As I was saying mm -hmm. before, I mean, we are on the constant hustle, the constant grind of just trying to find our next job as freelancers. Yeah. So I want to dive into how we can do that a little bit more efficiently, I guess, and in a way that is not going to have us like a chicken running around with our head cut off. <laughs> I feel like that's 100%. me most of the time. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I, I feel you. <laughs> so I'm curious, 
as someone who obviously, you know, you see a lot of different um, employers who are looking for freelancers, or you see a lot of freelancers who are looking for different gigs, how can creators kind of stand out from others that are maybe applying for jobs? And I mean, this could be for Contra, but also just in general as a creator, you know, like, there are a lot of different brands that are working with creators, but there are so many creators that are applying for the same jobs. So how do we stand out? I think first off, the what I've noticed just from personal experience is on a platform like Contra, just having a really fully developed profile, like making sure that you have past work examples there, making sure that you've linked your socials. Yeah. I feel like each aspect of your profile has a different purpose. And just like looking at it off the bat, having a profile image and a bio, it's giving that more like personalized feeling. You're seeing what the person looks like. You're kind of hearing who they are. That's super important just to give someone that first impression, kind of first glance. And then also linking socials has that same effect where you can kind of get to know a little bit more about the person, see what their style looks like in action. Also, if you have a social following in an audience, you're seeing how they're connecting with their audience, which as a creator is such a huge thing. Even if you're working on more of the marketing side, you're still trying to connect with an audience. So I think all of that more like personal stuff is really important to have. And then you do also want to make sure your projects are really like fully fledged out, like descriptions, images, links to where they live if they're on social medias or if they're on a website. And then also the same thing with your services, kind of explaining what you offer to clients and also linking projects back to exemplify that. So if you're talking about some copywriting skills that you have, maybe you actually want to link them to a project or a blog post or something that you wrote so they can get a real feel of what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, I think it all comes down to you as a person, your personality, your experience, but then also your content are kind of like the most important things, you know, like, Mm -hmm. think about being a brand, you have all this money to spend, how are you going to choose who to spend it on? Like, you want to know the people that you're going to be working with, you want to know that they are trustworthy, that they're going to actually create the content that you're expecting them to create, you want to know that they've had experience doing so. But then again, like being able to look at the content and see like, okay, how did this perform? Or like, on again, your social profiles, are they responding to comments? Like, do they have this community? I think a lot of people maybe like overthink this part, but it's really like about you and your content. How can you, you know, put yourself on display in a way that is going to show those basically like those kind of like secret sauce things about you. Mm-hmm. Cause obviously like we're all different people. We all have different things that totally. are going to make us stand out. And a lot of people I think don't want to like put themselves on display, but I think as a creator, you kind of have to at this point. Totally. And I also think that's the benefit of having a portfolio and having a resource that allows you to show those things. Because I mean, the standard, like, especially in a nine to five, environment is a resume and I feel in a more like corporate world. Yeah. And I feel like a resume compared to a portfolio, it's much more like flat. There's no personality. It's strictly like experience and skills. Yeah. And we have the ability to have these super robust portfolios with, you know, past work examples, images, visuals, like all of this stuff. And so I think taking advantage of that and knowing that this is really a great resource to you is it's just good knowledge to have. And I also think like you were saying, those like secret sauce things, it also helps you get matched with clients who are a good fit for you because, yes. you know, you want to click personally, you want to enjoy the work you're doing. That's such a, you know, big part of like feeling good about your work and being excited every day to do these things that you love. So I think making sure that you have a good fit as your client or for a client as your independent is, you know, super important. Yeah. And those types of resources like your social media will help even, you know, get that vibe check a little bit. Yeah, it is. It is a vibe check at the end of the day. I mean, that whole like good fit thing is something that we hear so often as creators, you know, like Mm -hmm. so many people are like, my content's so great and I'm so consistent and I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do, but they're telling me I'm not a good fit. You know, it's obviously discouraging, I think, for a lot of creators at times when you hear that. But at the end of the day, like you again have to understand where the brand is coming from. Like they want someone who like fully embodies what they are portraying as a brand. You know, like for me, anyone listening knows my profile is very colorful and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of like bright and warm tones. And 
whenever I match with a brand that I'm going to work with, that's like the first thing they'll say to me is like, yeah. oh, your profile is so bright and colorful. It's exactly the blank, you know, brand. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like we mesh. It, the vibe check is there. We we mesh really well together. Like I embody what they are as a brand. So like, of course, they're going to hire me if that was what their brand is like versus someone who only posts neutrals. Right. Not to say that their content is bad because it's not, I'm sure. But it's just like, you have to match up with the brand to make it make sense. Right. And it's also just better for you because it's, you know, your audience, you know, they're used yeah. to your content and you want something that's an organic fit for you as well. So I think both ways, like yes. making sure that that match is there is really important. Yeah. I mean, your audience can scope it out from a mile away. If you're doing mm-hmm. something that doesn't feel like it, it meshes well, or, or again, the vibe check, like, isn't necessarily like, okay, these two don't really make sense together. Like, yes, you're getting paid. And that's awesome that now you have a paycheck, but also like, you're probably losing a lot of your audience because they're like, mm-hmm. I see what you're doing here. Like, yeah. I just feel, I can feel the, the, that it's the, off the authenticity. Yeah. Like, like it's not authentic and like people can feel that, you know, like people watch content all day long. It's very easy at this point to like scope out what feels good and what doesn't. Oh yeah, for sure. And also it just is not great for performance wise for you or for the brand. Like you want your content to be engaging for your followers and you want them to go to that resource and love what you're talking about. So I think, yeah, in both ways. And it's interesting too, because I feel like for me as a creator, like I have very specific topics that I talk about. I have very specific, again, like visuals and everything, but there are so many brands that I would love to work with that I love in my, in my personal life and everything, but like, we just wouldn't make sense together Mm -hmm. on social media. And it's so hard because again, like you want to be like, Oh, I love your brand. I would love to work together. But again, like my audience might see that and be like, "Mm, this doesn't make sense. So you have to make those educated decisions, even though sometimes it's kind of hard. Absolutely. So when someone is applying for a job, like Obviously, we want to stand out and everything, but what are some other things that we can do, like maybe even before applying for the job, that might better our chances for actually like getting either chosen or at least like interviewed or, you know, at least an email back? What are some things that we can do before even applying that might be helpful? Kind of what we already talked about, like having that really full robust kind of profile or portfolio. Yeah. But also recommendations are super important. I think Hmm. having some section either on your portfolio or if you're on Contra, that's built into your profile where past clients that you've worked with can recommend you or just leave kind of a quick note about something they loved working with you or about the project that you did that was outstanding. I think that's a really more like personalized way to stand out to a client when they can see a little bit more about you as a like your work ethic and as an independent right yeah no I think that's actually that's a huge way of standing out because I mean again putting yourself in the brand's shoes like are you going to hire the person that like you just trust off of their word or like the person that has like solid evidence and proof right here in front of your face like yeah glowing recommendations for sure yeah it's kind of a (laughs) no-brainer I would say too I think before applying for jobs like even on Contra when I find a brand that I'm like ooh, I really like this job listing like this sounds really good to me and everything I'll go and like do even just a few minutes of research before I like write my message, you know, I'll go Mm -hmm. follow them on social media, I'll go onto their website, maybe go look at their social media profiles. And like, I'll see what's what's new, what's up with them, like, what are some things that are important to them, you know, and try and kind of understand the brand a little bit deeper than just like, okay, you're a blank brand, you know, like you're a clothing brand or whatever it is. So I like to do a little bit of research. And then when I'm actually going in and applying for a job, I'm able to like talk about it a little bit more like, oh, I saw that you just recently went cruelty free. It would be really great if we could create some content that was focused on that, because obviously that's something that's really important to people or whatever it is. But I think going into it, doing your research, first of all, shows that you're like, you care enough and you want this job, Mm -hmm. but also it shows that you're willing to put in the work and actually like before you're even getting paid, you're willing to put in the work to kind of do something more than just the surface level intros. Yeah. I think that's a great tip. And I think that also goes back to that, like finding a great match because you can see like sometimes an opportunity that comes up and the description of 
what they're looking for for the project is perfect for you. Maybe it's copywriting and they want a blog post and that's your thing and you're great at that, but you don't know much about the company. So when you do that initial research, you can find out a little bit more of, is this something I align with? Do I have background expertise or just background knowledge in this area? Like, will I enjoy doing this project? Do I know enough to write a blog post about it? Like in whatever the scenario might be, I think also understanding if the company matches up with you um, in a way that the job description does match up with you. Yeah. I mean, this is even something like outside of influencing content creation. I think back to like when I was in college and when I was really trying to like find different gigs and little jobs that I could do to just figure out what I liked doing. And it was good and it was bad that I said yes to everything. Like even these jobs, I was like, okay, it sounds really cool, but maybe something fell off or didn't feel like it was a good fit, but I would still like try it and do it. Obviously it it taught me a lot about like, you know, what I, what I liked and didn't like, but also I think I took on too much and it's so easy for a lot of creators, I think to do that because they don't want to say no to anything because again, as freelancers, like we don't know when our next job is coming. And so like, it's hard not to just say yes, because you're afraid of, again, like not having that cushioning of like, okay, at least I have, you know, a job or two going. But like, it it really is about being selective. I think the more comfortable you get with yourself, the more selective I think you're willing to be. I know, again, at first I was like, yes, 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 yes. Don't care what it is. Yes, I'll do it. Yeah, I get that. I think that also once you've started and you're kind of getting, you know, you're you know what you're doing, your feet are on the ground, like you have a little bit of experience, you also start to learn more about yourself and your capacity, how many projects you can take on at one time, like how much time you have in a day that you want to set as your working hours. Like all of those things are also really important when you're communicating with a client and you need to set boundaries about your workload and stuff like that. So I think that, like you said, saying yes to everything, like maybe when you're first starting and you're <laughs> learning more about yourself, like yeah. there's value in that, it's but I think <laughs> it's good and bad. Yeah. Like as you kind of continue to get the hang of things, you'll start to like learn a little bit more about yourself too. Yeah. Those learning experiences for me were just like invaluable. I mean, I think about when I first started Social Mate in 2020, we were a completely different business than we are now. And it's so crazy to think about because it was only two years ago. But I remember when we first started, because I had done so much in social media and so much with photography, I was like, all right, we're just going to be like the social media company. Like, we'll do everything. Management, you want content, you want like, you know, anything, we'll do it. It doesn't matter. And what's cool about that is, again, like I, I had such a large pool to kind of work with, but it also made it so I didn't really specialize in anything. And I think that is actually like more of a mistake than it was a good thing. I always hear that saying, I think it's like, uh, if you're talking to everyone, you're talking to no one. And that was like something that I think I, I learned and had a really hard time learning because I wanted to say yes to everything again. Like I wanted to have this big pool of people I could work with, but the more specific I got and the more I was able to specialize in something, the easier it actually was and is for me to get jobs now because I am the go-to person for, you know, something more specialized versus just social media in general. So niching down or whatever everyone wants to call it, I think is actually really beneficial, but it's so hard. Exactly. I was just going to say that, like, we talk so much about finding your niche, especially when it comes to social media and content. Yeah. But going back to your question about what makes you stand out to a client, like, I think that's also a huge part of it. When you have a niche and you have a, an image and an association to like some, you know, certain vibe or aura, like that will also help you stand out when a brand is looking for one certain very specific thing and you pop up and you come to mind, like you will be that perfect fit because it's so specific. And so I think it's a tricky thing, but niching down and finding your niche, (laughs) it definitely is. I mean, it's important and it's beneficial. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think one thing with that too, that I think it's easy for me to say now because I've done it and like, I'm comfortable with it, but like I love to point this out whenever I'm talking about niches, like, please know for anyone listening, this takes so much time. Like, this is not something you're going to figure out in like a week or a month or even maybe a year. I know for me, like when I first started again, even social mate was a completely different business. My own content creation, my own profiles was completely different. When I first started, it took me so much trial and error and so much time to get where I am now, where I feel 
not even 100% comfortable. I feel like I even have days now where I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. I quit. I have to I have to change everything, you know? So like it's an ever-changing process and you're always growing, but it's important to know that it's not going to happen overnight. Happen immediately. Yeah. Totally agree. <laughs> exactly. So I want to dive into compensation a little bit more. This is one of the biggest questions that I get. And it's interesting. I I mean, I get it a lot, obviously, for content creators with like how to price out content creation jobs, like sponsored things or UGC content creation kind of stuff. But I have also recently gotten a lot of questions about like, oh, if I were to be a social media manager or whatever, like, how do I price out these jobs? Or like, what should my hourly rate be? So obviously, it's one of those things where like, you can't give us an exact answer. Like, yeah, we're fully aware of that. <laughs> but what are the best ways for creators to do their own kind of work to figure out what what might feel right for them for a rate? Yeah, so I'll give you a few kind of different little pieces of information or resources. Yeah, I would say firstly, just thinking about the ask of the client or the project. So understanding a little bit more about what they're you know, wanting you to do, whether this is writing copy for LinkedIn or it's creating content that they're going to post on their socials, or if it's more of like a brand partnership where they want you to post on your socials and they're getting access to your audience and your reach. I think understanding a little bit more about the project and like exactly what the goals are and the timeline, you know, maybe it's a super quick turnaround and they want you to have this done tomorrow. And then maybe you yeah. charge a little bit more because now you're on a tight timeline. I think understanding all of those key pieces and just the project scope as a whole is the first step to kind of putting together what rate feels right for that. Right. But I also think in terms of payment structure, there are a few different ways that you could look at it. So on Contra, we allow for like hourly payments. And so clients can't post any opportunities that are under $25 an hour. So there is that kind of, yeah, which is another like really amazing, (laughs) uplifting, independent part of Contra because a lot of other platforms, it's like the race to the bottom where it's like, who has that cheapest rate because that's who the client might want. And we're really trying to avoid that. So clients can post opportunities at $25 an hour or above. So you can think of it from an hourly scope, but there's also the option of thinking of it by like milestones. So we do milestone payments where if you have a project that's say a month long, mm-hmm. you and there's five different components. For example, if it was an influencer campaign, there might be the research to find the perfect influencers. Then there's the outreach portion. Then there's the negotiating or the contract. So whatever those steps are in the project that they're asking you to do, mm-hmm. you can price out based on milestone, based on step, or like, you know, yeah. part of the project. So that's another kind of structure that's really interesting. And I personally really like that because it's, you know, maybe you work on a really fast timeline and you want to, you know, not have to worry about like hourly, like billing and tracking that. Like you might want to just say, okay, this portion of this project is worth this, this much money because it requires a ton of research. It requires these certain skills that are really difficult and really specialized. So you can kind of look at it from that scope and price it that way too, which I really like. I know hourly is really popular, so it's really up to you, but I do think it's a good resource to have and to have the option to decide. Right. I love that. And it also goes like the lo- the other way too. Like if you're someone who's working on a really long-term project, most influencers, we don't get paid until the end of that project. Mm-hmm. So it is nice to have the option to like maybe get even 50% towards the beginning, 50% at the end, or split it up into five payments, you know, by pulses of content or whatever it is. But so many times we have to wait months and months and months to get paid. And like, sometimes it's like a whole year later. And then we're like, okay, we finally finished all the content. Yeah. Now we can finally send our invoice. And then we still have to wait even longer. <laughs> yeah, totally. There's also an option on Contra for like upfront payments or a percentage upfront versus at the end. So depending on yeah. you know what you're doing, if it's hourly or milestone or however that's structured, you also can talk with your client about right. if you want to receive part of it upfront or if you want to get it all at the end. So that's another just resource that's that's available. Yeah. I love that. I think it's also important with pricing. Again, there's no like specific this is what you should start at and go out from there. Like it's it's so hard to pick that starting point. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so important to see your value as a creator. Like we hear people say that all the time, but like really really like think about that. I mean, Absolutely. you are someone who is putting in so much time and energy and effort 
and research and work and all of this stuff, the education, this is something, this is a skill, especially with, again, content creators and things like that, that not everyone has. Like, just like, you know, I can't do anything that an accountant can do or a doctor can do. Like, we all have specialized skills. Exactly. And so it might feel like so easy to you to do this job, but it's because of all of the education, the skill, all of the things that you've done to get to this point. So because it feels easy, you might feel like, okay, well, I don't need to charge that much. It's not, it's like not even that hard for me, but like, it's hard for everyone else who doesn't know how to do it. So like that's valued at something. And I think it's important for people to think about that. If you're like, oh, well, this is like not that hard think about the the amount of work and the time and energy and effort you've put into getting to where you are now. That's something that you want to include into that payment. And again, hard to put a, a price tag on it, but like it's got to feel like you're getting paid for all of the work you've done up to this point, you know? Yeah. Knowing your value is so important. It yeah. definitely, definitely is. So finding a good partner, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but like what are the things aside from like maybe the like the looks of the company? Again, we talked about like visuals or things like that. When you're actually like negotiating back and forth or having conversations, maybe getting on a call or anything like that with a potential partner, what are things that you can look at to like feel out if this is a good partner for you? Like, is this someone you're going to want to work with maybe long term? Is this someone you're going to want to be like on their team, whatever it is? Like, how can you kind of like feel that out? I would say there are a few kind of key things that I think of, but one is more just the project as a whole, kind of like we were talking about earlier, understanding what, you know, their work style is, what their timeline is, how much that's going to require from you. And if you have the capacity to take that project on, if you have other clients at the same time. So understanding a little bit more about that and then also understanding about their communication style, I think, how they want to work with you if they're willing to, you know, take your working hours into account, like you need to, there's also something about setting boundaries with the client, I think. And that comes with working hours and that comes with communication. And I think seeing if that's a good fit, because you also want to make sure it's not just about the project, but it's about enjoying who you're working with and having a good relationship with them. And then that can also turn into more projects down the line. So I think thinking of it as a long-term, a potential long-term relationship is a really important way to go into it. Yeah. I mean, even for different jobs that like, if I get reached out to about a job, like I always try and get on a video call because I feel like I can just, I know that I can make a better impression on people when I'm Mm -hmm. on video with them. Because again, it's like, you're getting to actually talk to the person instead of like pen palling each other over email. So I always love to get on a call whenever possible. You can definitely like, again, do the the vibe check yeah. over video or over a call so much better than you can on email. It's funny that we're having this conversation because just about 20 minutes ago, my friend had texted me and he got um, on a call with a brand that he was going to partner with. And he was like, it was really weird. The guy hit his vape pen in the middle of our interview. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. see, for me, that would feel weird. Like that would be something that does not yeah. pass the vibe check. I would be right. like, can't you just wait 10 more minutes to hit your vape pen? This is weird. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that's totally right. Like getting to actually learn about who the person is that you're going to be working with. And that also goes with, again, like setting boundaries. You want to know how they give feedback. Like, are they going to give you feedback on a piece of work and say, can Mm -hmm. you redo this entire thing and have it to me in 20 minutes? Like you want to understand what they're like to work with. And I think obviously you won't really know until you've actually gone into the process of a project with them, but getting that initial first impression and taking that first step of just kind of understanding their working style, I think is probably the best way you can go into it before making a commitment. Yeah. I think there's a part of it too that's like they need to understand you as well. And and you need to make sure you're aware. This is a 50-50 partnership. Just because they're hiring you for a project doesn't mean they they make all of the rules and like everything is is the way that they say. Like you are just as much in this as they are. So I guess basically like managing expectations too with what you're able to do. And that's something that, again, up front before you start, I, I will always suggest you should try and do, you know, like if you are looking at a project and they want, you know, 20 videos a month or something and you're like, okay, well, 
you know, do you need all of these videos in one week? And then we can, uh, you know, disperse them throughout the month or like are we doing some each week? Because again, like those could mean two completely different things to you and, and what you're actually able to do. And, you know, if one is more doable than the other, wouldn't you want to know that up front? So like up front. Sure. Those are things where I would, I would again, understand the project and then whatever questions you have about the actual expectations, like you need to be able to be confident enough to say too, okay, like that's not the way that I'm able to do it because of X, Y, and Z. So like, if you're okay doing it this way, great. Like we can still get it done. Everything will be great, but you have to be able to be confident enough to manage those expectations or else down the road, it's you know, you're going to get into some situations that you probably don't want to be in. Yeah. I think it's really helpful to remember that this client is hiring you for your expertise in whatever the area might be. So yeah, I think that kind of helps with the confidence of like, I have experience. I know what I'm doing. I have this specialized skill set, and I'm providing that to you. So right. when you're having that conversation with them and managing those expectations, if it seems like it's unmanageable, it's always worth a shot to offer up your yes expertise and say, look, like, this is what I think would work best. This is what I've done in the past. Like, this is my experience. And would you be open to trying this? And then just having that, and that will also tell you a lot about how collaborative they're going to be as a partner and right. how that project might go down the line. Yeah. This is relevant to even thinking about like content creators working with brands and things like that. I've had plenty of brands where maybe they were like, okay, you know, our goal is brand awareness. We want to reach as many people as possible. And then they're like, okay, we just want to do like a feed post. But then we have reels, which is very clearly 99% of the time going to reach more people. So instead of just doing it, and then they're upset at the end of the day when your post didn't reach that many people, yeah. wouldn't it have been easier in the beginning to just say, hey, you know, if that's your goal, again, based on what I know about my audience at this platform that I literally work on every single day of the week, <laughs> this is what we should be doing. And again, like, I think it's scary for creators because they're just like, thank you. I just have a job. Like I'm just going to take it and do what I'm told. But mm -hmm. at the same time, again, they're hiring you for your expertise. You know, like if there is something, you know, that's going to work better, they're going to appreciate you speaking up and saying that versus them wasting a bunch of their money and being pissed off at you at the end. <laughs> right. And then your project is going to go smoother and they'll have a better, it, it will help your relationship and maybe lead to another job with that client or right. lead to an amazing recommendation on your portfolio or your profile. So I think that, yeah, yeah just offering up like what you can. And look, if they don't want that, because maybe it's just not, maybe they need a certain type of content yeah. for their feed, for example, then, okay, that's fine. But at least you offered. And then should you not get that end result, yes. they'll know that, you know, there was an yeah, inkling that you. maybe this wasn't the right you. thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're covering your ass is really what it comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I'm curious, obviously, like on Contra, you guys have a ton of new jobs that are always being listed and everything like that. Since you have had all these jobs being listed, is there something that you're seeing more recently that is like a certain type of job that is coming up a ton more than than usual or like any like kind of trends with different jobs for freelancers that you're just seeing more and more of? Yeah, I would say specifically within social media and marketing, we have been seeing a lot more UGC type projects. So yeah. people looking for content creators, um, people looking for more of a knowledge around content, whether that's in the analytics space, in the copywriting space of writing captions, writing LinkedIn posts, writing even blogs. But I think definitely UGC style projects are really popular, um, especially because so many companies are now realizing that social media yeah. plays such a big part in their marketing structure and right. not everyone is super comfortable in front of a camera. So even if they wanted to, you know, make that be an internal position, if they don't have someone on the team already who feels comfortable making TikToks or making YouTube or whatever it might be, that's a really hiring a freelancer for that is an easy thing for them to outsource. So yeah. I think we are seeing a bit more of that um, as of late. And then also, like I said, around analytics and copywriting, just more even in other types of jobs related back to social media. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I had an inkling that you were going to say UGC. I, cause I, it's just like one of those things where it's funny because it's been around for a long time, but like mm -hmm. just in the last six to eight months, I feel like everyone is like, wait, 
this is awesome. We like, can do we should this. All do this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. It's definitely a trend right now. Yeah, for sure. But it's actually, I love UGC. I think for creators, it's so great because it lets us do the fun part of our job without like the job that sometimes makes us sad. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, so I totally love that. But it actually kind of rolls into my last question for you. So I saw this video, I was I was on YouTube uploading my video the other day. And I saw this video that popped up. And it was it said something about like, is the influencer dying? Like is is our influencers like over? Or are they on their way to being over with the introduction of UGC? So I was kind of just curious to, I, this is just like a conversation I've been looking to have with someone. And I was really curious to kind of <laughs> hear what your thoughts were about this. Yeah, I don't think, in my personal opinion, no, I don't think it's dying. Yeah. I think that actually with UGC, yes, it is different. Maybe people are hiring other types of content creators, but mm-hmm. that also shows that people are realizing how valuable influencer marketing and social media marketing is. And so I think it's really just a question of the goals of the campaign. So if you're looking for a lot of different content that you want to post on your own channel, maybe you don't have someone as a company who creates content on your team, UGC is the way to go because you want content to post that's like on you as your company. But if you're trying to reach someone's audience, you're trying to reach a wider target audience that someone else has access to because they've built a whole presence around it, then influencer marketing is your way to go. And I think it's more just that people are noticing the value in social media and how that plays into a marketing campaign and and a strategy. So I definitely don't think it's dying. I think there's just a growing industry with lots of different channels kind of happening. I also do think that in the the direction that we're moving in, that influencers can use their skills to work client side, which is kind of what we're talking about. And as an influencer, once you've built your community and you're starting to learn more about the types of content that people like, the types of content that performs well, Mm -hmm. looking at insights and looking at analytics, you're getting, you're like firsthand learning all of this stuff and this knowledge. And it's such a growing and changing industry that as an influencer, you're growing and changing with it. So you are like in the weeds, you know what's going on. Like, and so I think also that gives these people, like we've been talking about such a specialized knowledge to be able to go to a client if they want and say, I want to work on a campaign from the marketing side. Like I, if you're a freelancer and now, and you're also an influencer and you have a social presence, you have that like added ability that's built in. And so I think that gives you a really interesting edge as an independent, but also helps people who maybe were influencers for a while full time and then decided they want to do something different or they want to try something else. You have a built in skill set from that experience. And so I think it's just the industry expanding and there's a lot of different things happening and people are understanding how valuable it is. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this is still such a new industry. So like, it makes sense that there are going to be a lot of shifts and like Mm -hmm. it's evolving in different ways. But I just think that the influencer, obviously not every influencer does this, but like, I think so many influencers have a very specific, again, a niche, a demographic, like they have access to what could be the exact person you want access to as a brand. So like, that's invaluable. I mean, like you can, you can do UGC, you know, all day and post it on your TikTok and your Instagram as a brand. But like, I have the audience right here. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it takes a lot of the work out of it for the brand. Like they can, again, hustle really hard and try and get these videos to reach or these photos, whatever it is to reach the people that they want it to reach. But it really is just so much. It's like you're serving them this audience on a silver platter. And I just think that that is so incredibly valuable to a brand that like, I can't see that not being something that a brand would be willing to invest in. Yeah, I agree. I think it really just depends on the goal of what the brand is doing. Like if they are trying to reach their target audience and they want to pay someone to make content that's going out like straight to those people, then influencer marketing is, you know, the right move for you. But if you really are just trying to build up your social pro- profile and you don't care as much about yes. hitting that audience and maybe it's more just for you, like building up your presence on social media and yeah, trying to build your own audience, then UGC is great. So I think it just from the client side depends on really what you're looking for. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. Well, this is so awesome. I loved having this conversation with you. I hope everyone listening got some good 
bits of information and is going to obviously go hop on Contra now. I'll leave some information in the description below so that you guys can go hop on there. Don't take any jobs away from me though, okay? <laughs> but I know what I need to do now to stand out, right? This episode was so helpful. So Isabella, thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was amazing. And this was a really great conversation. We touched on some really, I think, important topics. Oh, yes. Yes, we did. (laughs) All right, guys. And we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Social Scoop brought to you by Your Social Mate, where we help entrepreneurial creators learn how to monetize and turn their online influence into a legitimate, profitable, and self-sustaining business. We hope you absolutely love this episode and come back every Tuesday for a new one. If you really enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review here and send us a DM to let us know your favorite part. We're an open book if you ever want to discuss episodes. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at KBOUSQ. We'll see you next week.